Welcome back to This Film Not Rated, a branch of the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network, where we try not to rate what we watch this week while talking full spoilers. Things might be a little bit odd for a minute, but we want to make the podcast the best we can for an audience. And today we have an extra special guest star from the original Music City Drive-In Podcast, from the Debbie Delight, from where else are you from? It's Matthew Fox. Yeah, we, we uh, when the network went live, we had uh, our football show, the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Um, some of those guys pulled up, but Ricky and I moved on to doing uh, the Happy Hour podcast. You know, I I kind of head up our NFL coverage, but also a huge film fanatic. Um, you know, you can find my uh, weekly roundup of movie reviews every week and uh, TV pilots uh, just bouncing around everywhere. All right. So uh, there's kind of a competition here where we try not to earn points. And at the end of the season, the person with the fewest points wins. Uh, but we're mostly saving that for just a section at the end, the gauntlet over one movie for now at the end of every episode. But the real reason we're the real reason <laughs> we're here, Matt, is uh, what did you watch this week? Man, what didn't I, I watch this week? Uh, first, first and foremost, I saw the Batman Uh yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's like the big one. That's the hype yeah. one. And we are going to be talking full spoilers for listeners. Yep. But it was a huge uh, week for new releases. I, I went back and was doing my Batman research. So I went through uh, some previous uh, Batman films, including the Nolan films, uh, which I really love. Also saw a couple of the new releases, things like Fresh and After Yang. Uh, so it's, it was a very dynamic week of movies. Probably the best to me the best week of new releases we've had so far in 2022 yeah right. after yang i'll be excited about that one so i think so you wanted to talk about after yang and the dark knight rises is that right so that's what we're going to discuss yeah. today and then uh curtis what did you watch this week uh other than oh, by the the way, you guys, curtis is here too <laughs> um oh yeah it's not just matt guest starring so yeah hey I, I'm, I'm i'm just i'm just quiet that way but uh this week I did watch the Batman, which I, I I I'm excited to talk about that eventually. But uh, for the first time in my life, I finally got around to watching Top Gun, so I, I'm I'm looking forward to talking Yay! about that. Minor applause. Um, Top Gun <laughs> is is so bizarre uh, nowadays. I think I I can't imagine being swept up in like the hype when it came out, but um. You know what? I think that's probably a good first movie to talk about. So we'll leave that to the Batman and we're going to kick things off with Top Gun. I'm going to try to structure some of these movie talks uh, for now while we work our way through this this non-restricted version of our show until season three Mm -hmm. over three questions. So the first question I have for you, Curtis, is why did you watch Top Gun? Well... Top Gun Maverick is coming out in, in July, and I wanted to familiarize myself with the uh, original, with that coming out so soon. What, what do you like and not like about uh, about Top Gun? Now, the first thing that stuck out to me with uh, Top Gun was, was the score, which is a bunch of pop music from the 80s. Like Highway to the Danger Zone? Like, that I, would draw me in. Well, I... That was part of it, but also the Top Gun anthem song. I'm I'm a fan of, despite not having seen it un, 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 until recently. But I didn't realize like "Take Take My Breath Away" was part of the score, which plays every single time him and the main female lead are together in the same room. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's a bit hyperbolic, but uh, 
I did like the overall story. Like, like it's Top Gun. I, I, it, it's, it's kind of like like a basic boilerplate uh, um, um, action movie. So, and with with the uh, it beats that you could see a mile away. You have the uh, uh, Tom Cruise playing Maverick, who's this kind of cocky, arrogant uh, pilot uh, with with his uh, co pilot Goose. I I could almost guarantee that Goose was going to die at some point during the movie, which would cause a, a confidence drop for uh, Tom Cruise at some point, and that would be the uh, arc for him going the rest of the way. Uh, I, I was fairly confident there'd be a female interest in there at some point that I didn't know who, but uh, it's, 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 it's a solid action film. And I did like that about it. it it's, it, it's a eighties, uh, a quintessential eighties film, I think. And I, yeah. I'm, I do like eighties action. So as much as I like the pop music score, I kind of wish there was a bit more of a, of an original score going through the film. Cause I, I at some point I got tired of listening to like, hyper energetic pop music playing through this film. oh you mean like classical music versus uh like pop music or right like like because like you could have i mean like seal uh created kiss from a rose for batman forever that was an original i mean yeah you know but so. uh, yeah a, a a more traditional score is something that i would have liked to see because I, I think overall the uh the the current uh uh score is is a detriment to the uh film overall Okay, so uh, Matt, you have a different history with this movie, I think. What did you like and dislike about Top Gun? Yeah, well, as a as a child of the '80s, um, I saw this when uh, the first time when I was much younger. I, I've seen it half a dozen to a dozen times, probably in my life. Um, you know, it is one of those Simpson Bruckheimer uh, action films. You kind of know what you're getting nowadays. That that was. This is one of those that kind of put him on the map. Tony Scott, uh, one of his big directorial films. Um, there are things that I enjoy, um, you know, about the basic structure. I think it's popcorn entertainment, um, not a super deep uh, movie. But there are definitely things that that haven't aged well. You know, the weird volleyball sequence, uh, Maverick going over to his love interest's house uh, for dinner and at first thing off asking if he can take a shower there. <laughs> never, never yeah. in my life has that you know occurred to me to go to somebody's house and like, I need to take a shower. Yeah, yeah, I like, I know what you're talking about. I like, I think it, it's, it's a movie. It's interesting that it's been when it came out. I think it was sort of a hype entertainment, and it's like over yeah. time it has been studied as what does it mean that this is a product of its time. Yeah, and I kind of yeah. like it on that level. I like. um I like I I like Tom Cruise straight up. I completely understand why he became the star that he is. Like you know, it it just mm-hmm. it makes sense. His energy works and all of that. Uh, Val Kilmer, I really like. Yeah, uh, we're laying the seeds. Salita to the Batman already through casting. But um, <laughs> I I did like that Val Kilmer was was basically the foil to uh to uh, Tom Cruise's character who who was like the where as Tom Tom Cruise was 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 the fly by by my own rules. Val Kilmer's was the uh. I'm still a good pilot, but I fly by the rules and therefore I'm not a danger to everyone else where you're a danger to everyone around you and yourself. Yeah. So yeah. I, I like that comparison. Um, I like but- uh, Anthony Edwards and Meg Ryan. Um, you know, I think those parts hold up pretty well. There are some fun and iconic moments like when they're singing, you lost that loving feeling. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, there is, 
there's something to like goose i even though i i knew a part of me knew that was supposed to happen somehow in the movie like it's just out there in the in the ether and you just absorb that through osmosis growing up i i didn't expect it happening in the context that it happened so i was still thrown off like oh this is all that happens because i think growing up in more of a late a mid 90s late 90s early 2000s kind of thing you sort of expect things to be going okay and then like from futurama war were declared and then like they end up having to go into battle and things like that happen um i'm thinking of one movie in particular with owen wilson behind enemy lines it's like things are good and then they're not and then i lost a friend like something like that but no uh i think it was john c mcginley from platoon there was an interview recently talking with him about how platoon came out on the tail end of top gun and they thought platoon was screwed and they had wasted their time because that came out and top gun was kind of this era of hype for america and and the military system and things and it's it's funny that we just it's just sort of a celebration of all that and we don't really get into the uh darker more combat side of things and i don't know it's interesting so um, the the last question that I particularly have for this would uh, be, Curtis, why would you, what would make you come back to watch Top Gun? Well, it, it's a very entertaining movie and uh, it, I, it's a buzz. It, it, I, I see it as a good film to watch during the summertime. So like, let, let, let's say it's a hot outside. It's a. Uh, uh, I, I just came in from like an exhausting day, like mowing the, the yard. I come in, I sit down with a nice cold Coke. I put in Top Gun. I can like that kind of environment is something that would make me want to watch it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matthew? What would make you go back for like round 24? <laughs> I mean, it's on the list of films that I watch periodically. Um, like you said, you have, it's it feels like a good summer movie. You know, when you're a lot of times during the summer, you're not really looking for something heavy. You're just looking to be entertained in a cool, dark place for a while to escape the ravages of the sun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Popcorn entertainment. Yeah, I, I get this vibe occasionally. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the weird outlier that doesn't do this for me is, is um, Cocktail. But this movie and Risky Business uh, are like mm-hmm. the two that are like, Tom Cruise, but not Mission Impossible. That's what I'm going to do. So yeah. I have a whole Mission Impossible vibe. That's separate, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Top Gun feels like it's it's kind of in between Risky Business and, and Mission Impossible. It's like the midway for Tom Cruise going to that. I, I am really excited to see him continue to be insane and try things in the sequel coming up. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be a good idea to move on. And, and this is a movie that I think I'm most happy to have uh, Matt here uh, as a member of a National Film Critics Association, as uh, someone who is like an avid uh, critic and viewer of things. You have seen a lot of the releases that came out, and I'm really excited to hear about After Yang. So um, when why did you why did you watch After Yang? So I, I actually saw this one a couple of, um, I guess it's a little over a month ago, the first time, uh, was part of the Sundance Film Festival. So I was excited uh, to screen a few Sundance films. I saw four films on the Sundance feed, have seen a couple more that have released on the streaming services since then. But After Yang 
was the second of my Sundance films. I watched uh, three in one day on a Saturday, and that was my first one watching about like, uh, eight, 10 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about it. Like, what, what was your takeaway? What did you like? What did you dislike? Yeah, uh, it's a very interesting um, approach to a story, uh, a different kind of a narrative. Um, there was a couple of movies last year that I that I really enjoyed that kind of look at this meaning of life, um, a quiet movie that made the festival circuit called Nine Days that didn't get much of a festival release. I really liked that. It was a very uh, pensive movie kind of thinking about the meaning of life. I would describe the Afri Yang similar to that. Um, it starts with an incredible dance sequence uh, with all of the main cast, uh, you know, Colin Farrell's in there, uh, Jody Turner-Smith, there's quite a few other folks. It's set in an alternate timeline where um, people who have adopted children can get synthetic um, beings to kind of help them uh, integrate and learn more about their history. So uh, Jody Turner Smith and Colin Farrell have adopted a Chinese daughter. And so Yang is their, their synthetic. He develops an issue. Um, so they try to figure out what's wrong with them. That leads down a wormhole seeing kind of life through his eyes. And it causes the characters to think about life in a different way. It was, it's very slow. Uh, moving, you know, there's not a lot of big actions, you know, in contrast to something like a Top Gun where it's wall to wall action, big soundtrack. This is a very pensive and introspective movie. I thought it was very beautiful. Colin Farrell's performance really grounds um, this story and takes it through. And it was one that I was deeply moved by. I actually uh, have it sitting as my number three film for the year so far. Cool. Okay, I've said this a thousand times, so I'm going to say it again. I don't know if I've recorded it, but Colin Farrell is so good at playing humans, like when he plays mm -hmm. grounded characters, and he was just on Hot Ones, and he went on Hot Ones for both after Yang and the Batman, but particularly to boost after Yang, just because you know the audience is going to know Batman. And he talks about the director of this just taking the, such a just like a a Zen relaxed approach to things and that you can just feel the vibe dripping through like the movie. And I, I don't know, something, something calm and peaceful that is still thoughtful. And I, I, it just, it seems so appealing to me by all accounts around me that I'm like so excited to see it, but okay. So um, what would make you watch it again? Um, I loved the, the beauty of the way it was shot. Um, it had some very beautiful shots, but it's the power of the narrative for a while as you're going through it the first time, you don't totally know where it's going. And when the twist, I say twist, you're thinking like a big dramatic reveal, but when the kind of plot totally unfurls, yeah. uh, I thought it had huge emotional resonance. Um, and I'm always curious to see if those kind of moments happen in part because you're surprised or if it can maintain, you know, my, the best movies to me are the ones where I could see it a hundred times. I'm going to missed up at the same spot or I'm going to mm -hmm. feel mm -hmm. a ping in my heart at the same spot. Yeah. Like, I mean, it moves you and then it has a lasting effect of movie. Yeah. Um, oh, I like that you say that, that it, it, it's not a twist. It's, it's that a story kind of unfurls. Because I think that sometimes that's the best thing about a story is that it, it has a reason to be told in a particular way and unfold that way. 
Mm-hmm. And I just, again, now my hype is, is just like a notch higher for this being like the next thing I try and go see. Um, yeah, and it's, it uh, dropped. So it, it was a Sundance movie, but it dropped on Showtime. So if you have Showtime or like I have the Showtime plugin through my Hulu account, it's there to stream at any point. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try and see this. <laughs> so um, I guess, all right. So, um, so we've talked about Val Kilmer uh a batman and we've talked about colin farrell a penguin and Mm -hmm. so let's talk about the batman movie everyone likes to talk about the dark knight rises the dark knight rises uh the main reason why i picked this one out of the rest of like the nolan movies to talk about is because i think there's a strong relationship between this movie and the batman and it's the nature of taking the already established character and taking Gotham as something that's built on a lie and watching Gotham sort of implode on that lie because of a villain. There are strong, not similarities at all, but relations between Riddler and Bane um, and the idea of what they pull off. So uh, why, why did you watch... Uh, the Dark Knight Rises, Matthew. Well, you know, getting I, I love to do my homework. If you watched uh, my binge watch column on the site Thursday, I went through and ranked all of the live action Batman films, you know, my personal ranking. I've also, um, as you know, Eric is one of my faithful followers on on the gram. I've been going through my top 50 favorite films of all time, revisiting that this year, doing one a week. And, um, you know, oh, Ricky, I love that column. That thing has been validating for me. 10 Things I Hate About You? Man, dude, that movie... Anyways. I know. I There'll be hopefully some fun surprises. Uh, but our friend Ricky and I, we, we talk about the Batman films a lot. And um, I've always been a fan of the Batman 1989 film. Um, mm-hmm. And I, The Dark Knight is probably... Uh, one of my favorite films of all time. I've probably seen it almost 200 times. Ricky has always advocated for Dark Knight Rises, and it's a movie that I feel like I my appreciation of it increases every time I watch it to the point this last time that I watched it, I actually vaulted it over Batman 89 and vaulted it up my personal top 50, which really screwed me as I was writing those because I've been writing them ahead and I'm like, well, I have oh, to reorder snap. some stuff as we're going through. But that was, I wanted to dive into it as part of the rewatch, but also to uh, search my feelings. Well, tell us about them. What do you like and what do you dislike about The Dark Knight Rises? I really like the story arc um, and some of the beauty of the performances, um, particularly you know, the idea I'm always deeply moved at the end of the dark night by what you hear Gordon saying as Batman's fleeing. He's not, he's the hero we, we need, but not the, or he's the hero we deserve, but not the hero we need right now. So we'll hunt him because we can take it. And you know that he, the, the big thing, which I, I love most probably about Batman films is the Batman archetype. A lot of it is about trying to build hope in a dark place but 
when you put that hope in a person, you're always kind of let down. And that was their problem in The Dark Knight. They put a lot of their hope in a person, and that was going to fail them. So they tried to shift, shift that hope to protect it. And it didn't really get them where they were looking for. And so you see kind of a mentally and physically broken down Batman um, at the beginning, Bruce Wayne. Um, and you see a city that on the outside looks like it's doing better, but maybe not entirely doing better. And it hasn't been good for the people who've been charged with holding on to this secret. You see he's kind of broken. Commissioner Gordon's kind of broken. Uh, and then you get Bane in there, and there's just so much beauty about the the kind of fighting back and sacrifice you see him literally broken which is one of the things that you know it was a big question whether you're going to see it because the big thing from the comic book is he breaks batman's back and um you know bane was the guy who can overcome him trying to work his himself out of the pit i love the uh interaction between him and ann hathaway who to me is by far the best catwoman we've had um, which includes what we will talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Their relationship in that um, is very moving, but there are very moving times. There's a line, there are a few lines in there that I come back to. I've always loved a tale of two cities, um, mm -hmm. and there's very strong tale of two cities vibes. And when they read that at Bruce's funeral, um, you know, when they're going into the fight and she says, you don't owe these people anything, you've given them everything. And he says, not everything, not yet. Um, the way he lets Commissioner Gordon know who he is without ever saying who he is. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a very, um, I think the, the third act of that movie is so much more emotional than you realize at the time. And I think it's unfair that it was a movie that was somewhat maligned by the terrible thing that happened when it was released. Yeah. It was hard to follow that Heath Ledger performance and what had happened there. I think the expectations were probably too high. It is a movie. If you have not seen it in a long time, I think it's one that has aged well and that deserves a reconsideration. So uh, Curtis, hmm? what do you, what do you like? What do you dislike about the dark Knight rises? Uh, What's well, your take or your experience with it? Uh, it's kind of the opposite is for for me where i i really like this this movie when i first saw it and for me for every subsequent watch i find something else that kind of doesn't make sense to me you're uh, one of them not to say it's it's a bad film because i still enjoy watching it but like uh the way they handled bane all the way up until the third act i really liked i don't like that bane is in the end just a servant to uh, uh talia al ghul and i don't like the way they handle talia al ghul where in the comics, she's always been a lover of uh, Bruce Wayne and never wants to kill him. It, it seems like very different from the character that that I'm familiar with, and okay. in every in, in in every adaptation that I've seen her in, from from the Arkham games, from the animated series, everything le leans towards the Talia Al Ghul Bruce Wayne romantic relationship to the point where or, I think. So let me ask you this: If it had been more along the lines that Talia actually as she dug under the surface and saw bruce Wayne was batman and saw what he was batman batman and saw what he was doing if they had flipped it where talia has reservations and tried to not go through with things and bane took over and like he was supposed to not be the main villain but then becomes the main villain is that something you prefer uh that would make more sense to me so 
big big broad strokes good things bad things what are you uh, I I love I I like the sweeping shots. I like how uh, Batman is is portrayed in in the film, from beginning to end. Uh, I uh, like how I've I've always liked how uh, Gary Oldman has uh, played played Commissioner Gordon, especially in this one where uh, the saving lie is eating him up from the inside. So I think I, I I'm gonna go ahead and and jump in and start giving some of my thoughts on the movie because I think. There's a, a big thing for me, and I think we talked about either we talked about the Dark Knight Rises here or somewhere else uh, early on, possibly in this show, um, where I talked about how when I last watched the Dark Knight Rises, it's like it's always like I'm I'm seeing more of the puzzle pieces as they fit together because to me, the adaptation that I see it getting is that romance that Talia has is there, but it's with Bane instead of Batman. I see very much the character that I'm familiar with. It's just that grounded adaptation of it. And as such, her relationship is not directed towards Bruce Wayne. It's directed towards Bane. And I think to me, it always stands as a thing to keep in mind what the real story is of them when they flash back to them being young. I think that's very important because I think I, I do think it's a little anticlimactic the way Bane is sort of taken out, but at the same time, it, I think it was that line. What is the line, Matthew? You might be able to help me when he's tearing up, like he's yeah. baffled because Batman escaped, and the only he says I he, never escaped. Yes, I I never escaped, and um, it just sort of clicks into place that the real story of their relationship is his inspiration and his love for Talia is grounded in her being able to be the one person in history who broke free from that pit. And so she's an inspiration that he believes in that stands as him as a symbol above Batman and everybody else for what people can do. She came back for him. He didn't go to save her. And so that relationship is so poignant and so meaningful. And then they just took it and they ripped into about 20 pieces and then they put it back together out of order. And that's kind of my only issue is sometimes I think it's, it, it's hard to feel certain things because the way they try and build up your emotional resonance with it, like it takes so long to kind of have everything click into place. But when it does, like you kind of said with, with, after Yang, there are when a movie has moments that can stick with you and continue to bring out a certain reaction from you because of the way the story's told over time. I mean, I feel like that matters. And when Bruce Wayne makes that leap, when he gets up and bats fly out of the wall and does that whole thing, like I, I still kind of get chills and I get all hyped up. Hmm. And then at the end, when he takes off with the bomb, mm-hmm. and they, yeah play the exact same musical tune that it played after his parents were dead and Gordon was originally there giving him the jacket. It's like a bookend of right when Batman was born and right when Batman is gone. Oh my gosh. I like, I lose it. Like it's insane. So uh, what would make Matthew, what would make you watch uh, the dark Knight rises again? And also any thoughts that you have in reaction to any of the stuff we've said? I mean, I probably watch watch these movies periodically every year or two anyway. Um, Batman has always been my uh, number one comic book uh, figure. It was the, the first comic book movie I ever saw was Batman 89. Um, and Batman has been it for me uh, for a long time. 
that story, the Dark Knight trilogy, whatever this trilogy ends up being called with the Batman, I don't know, but the Dark Knight trilogy is going to be something that has its own value just as how does someone become something like Batman in a first chapter? And then what does it really mean to be a hero, even if it means sacrificing that people even know you're a hero in a second chapter? And then how to rise above all of that and, and sort of bouncing off what you said, Matthew, like a human is corruptible, a symbol is something bigger than that. And that calls back to the first one and it's just this big thing. Like it's so, yeah. Curtis, what about you? I still like the overall story. So, and like, if if I'm ever in, in in a like 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 a Batman mood, I would, I'd probably watch watch the Dark Knight before this one. But I'd, I'd watch the Dark Knight Rises before I would go back to watch Batman Begins. So then, uh, since everybody is still totally on board with more Batman talk, let's talk about the big one. But pause things to put our guests through a little bit of uh, what's a good Batman pun for this. Dance with the Devil in the Pale Moonlight. So you are in the uh, TFNR gauntlet, which means that for the next 10 questions that you receive, you have to answer completely objectively. If you give a subjective opinion, you earn a point. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to go ahead and kick it off. So Mr. Fox, is the Batman good or bad? You know, all film appreciation is subjective. Uh, so probably depends on the individual and the perspective they bring. Oh, okay. What was your favorite scene in the Batman? There are a number of sequences um, that create memorable moments. For me, narrowing down to a single scene um, is not something I have considered. Uh, the overall tone and aesthetic provided in the film was something I thought was unique. Okay. I got like halfway there with uh, could be memorable. Mm -hmm. I thought that's like, that's like a breath away from that but no you're doing good so what if anything would you remove from the batman people are talking about it being super long whenever film run times exceed 120 minutes um it's worth considering whether there are edits that could have been made without losing crucial elements of plot and I think, unfortunately, just because we got so close to the first time, that is your first. Because we have that it is worth where some people would argue it's not worth. I don't tempt. I personally don't agree with the people who would say that it's not worth considering that. I, I agree. But it is a subjective opinion that I share. So that's one. Just one. So who was the best actor and who was the worst actor in the Batman? Paul Dano does something with the Riddler I had not previously seen. Um, Zoe Kravitz does something as Catwoman that 
was okay, but um, buzz. It's a buzz. Uh, but so now you can freely say what you want to say about Catwoman. You're not going to yeah. get buzzed again. I didn't think it was as dynamic as we've seen that role played. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. So uh, give your favorite quote from the movie The Batman if you have one that sticks to mind. This one is a trap. I'm warning you. Because by answering the question, you admit what that it's a favorite. There isn't a single line that sticks out to me right now. Those are probably things you would get after rewatches. Rewatches, yeah. Uh, what is the movie missing? What would you add to it if you could? The cinematography style is very dark, uh, lacking mm-hmm. light. So what? It, all right. So this as as a story, like not thinking about the technical technical elements of making a movie. What did you enjoy about the story you were told? There have been a number of Batman projects, both live action animated in the over 70 years old. This one approaches the narrative in a style and fashion that seemed unique. Okay, so you're doing like much better. Like you're taking it real seriously. Like mm-hmm. I think most yeah. people are just like, ah. He's, on, he's only gotten two buzzes so far. So I'm calling out Ricky a little bit, but I'm saving uncut gems. I'm gonna watch that the week that he's on, and um, I'm absolutely yeah. like expecting him to just go <laughs> off book and get as many points as possible. Mm-hmm. But he's still probably never going to touch our scores because we build over the whole season, Curtis and I, off of doing it when we yeah. have a guest. So, anyways, did you learn anything about making movies from watching the Batman? No. What would make you watch the Batman again? Movies of this length and depth of plot often reveal more upon subsequent watches. Curtis, I need a ruling from you on that. I think cause that, cause sometimes people do like, he said they can reveal like often reveal more. And I guess if the, if a different person was watching a longer movie, they may not get more out of it if they're choosing not to actively watch, but uh, what yeah, do you think? Uh, I think if you're paying attention to a movie, e- even if it's a long movie, you can get a majority, Something. if not all of what you can. So I it, think I think that is borderline objective that basically you're going to be in a different time space in your life, different headspace that you're going to something else. Maybe I'm going to let him take that one. I'm going to let him. That's fine. OK, so um, this is the absolute most serious, serious question that we have. OK, yes. Would Nicolas Cage have made this movie better? It's impossible to say. It is not impossible. That would be subjective. Yeah, that's a buzz. I disagree. Okay, that's fair. But um, 
it, you, you, to be fair, I mean, what you are you putting Nicholas Cage in? You didn't give me a specific role. You didn't. That's you, that that that's. And that's you for you could to ask. No, no, no. You could ask for more of those questions, and I don't want yeah. to turn this into like a like a BS thing, like a trap gotcha thing. But yeah. all I'm saying is, you would have to do a gratuitous Batman level amount of work in order to state objectively whether it would be good or bad with him or without him in a bunch of different roles. But you said impossible, and that is the most out there like version qualifier that's what i'm basing it on like like i you said earlier i'm not able to give a quote right now if you had said i am not able to speak to that because of this like that probably would have been fine the buzz is just because of the word impossible if that makes sense so um but that would make only three points if i understand correctly yeah that's 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 just three three points out of this whole gauntlet so it's okay well since that ties him with our other guest for this season Mm -hmm. I'm going to dial that back to a two and a half because I think the inherent point he was going for is like, we can't totally say. And by the way, I, I, and I agree that it's complicated in the sense that if Nicolas Cage were the Riddler, it would be fantastic. If he were Catwoman, it would be the best movie it could be. But if he were Batman, I'd probably not be as into it. But so I'm going to go with a 2.5 for what Matt got. And that puts him, I think, just a hair above the lead where we have some definitively overly subjective three points from the other one. So congratulations. Thank you. I am sorry for all the ticking clock, like tension of that whole thing. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. So, um, all right, man. So speak freely. Tell us what you thought of the Batman for real. It's hard to, you know, as I said, it's hard to discuss film, which is a completely subjective art without being subjective. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I um, was appalled at the casting of Robert Pattinson and the whole production and the uh, early trailers. I think I told Ricky at one point in time, if the movie got more than 2.5 stars from me, that he should have me committed. Um, I was very out on this project until I saw it. Mm. Are we Uh, strapping you in? Are we, Are we investing in a in a straight jacket? Yeah, you know, um, we need to call uh, uh, nurse nurse Ratchet in I, from the. I will. S- I will say it. It had a haunting score. Um, it went in directions that were unexpected for me. I am a huge fan of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some very strong uh, Watchmen vibes. Um, in yep. the way the city is constructed, some of the choice of journaling and narration um, felt very similar to that. I also got some massive mm-hmm. seven vibes. Um, yeah. You know, I had another movie I greatly enjoyed. Those are not things that you think of when you're going into a comic book uh, film, typically. Um, not things we've seen from Batman before. Uh, I thought Pattinson did a nice job. I thought Paul Dano um, was very memorable as the Riddler. Um, mm-hmm. The entire cast was very strong. I would agree that I thought it was a little long, although I'm not sure where I'm making cuts. You know, that's probably something you'd have to watch more than once to figure out where do you feel some tension of it dragging. Because I think the first time you're watching, you're trying to see where it's all going. and um, Right. You know, I was aware 
of the fact that it was a four hour commitment going to the theater because every theater now programs like 95 minutes of trailers before, oh before their movies yeah. has a few commercials for cryptocurrency yeah. and M&Ms. You know, <laughs> yeah, I've Where seen those. In a for us, it was like 80 Toyota commercials. I don't know about what's so, in our territory. But... My wife comes like, I thought you said this was only three hours. But I was like, it will be once the film actually gets to go. <laughs> but I thought it was a haunting score. Uh, was one of the things I pointed out and a very different take. I I enjoyed it. I ended up giving it four out of five stars. I have it currently sitting as my number one for 2022, uh, number one film for 2022. Mm-hmm. I have it number four for me among Batman films, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, what I, are the three ahead of it? Well, Dark, Dark Knight, Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises, Batman 89. Okay. Um, I still have it. And maybe that'll move on rewatches. Those are probably the kind of things. Um, While I enjoyed it, I don't know that I had those strong emotional moments. Uh Okay. See that? It's funny. You you mentioned the three movies that I think if you, if you just the villains from returns, I wouldn't take anything else from Batman returns, but if you took Batman 89, the dark Knight, and the Dark Knight Rises, and put them in a blender. This would be the movie that you poured out, like, because like in terms of like escalating because of who Batman is. There's a villain that's acting a certain way, and then you know what's happening to Gotham and having it implode, and like the idea of what Batman questioning. What is it really going to mean to be a hero? Like in in the Dark Knight and the Dark, like those two kind of together. Mm-hmm. We've skipped the how he became Batman kind of thing. And then in Batman 89, you have all of this sort of gothic, grungy Batman as the shadows kind of nature of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's funny because I, I, I don't think by any means that this is inherently better or worse. We try not to rate things on this film, not rated. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that, it's, it's, it's a neat point. This does feel kind of like a greatest hits of tones, but underscored by horror thrillers like Zodiac and Seven and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you, you brought up something that, that I mentioned to Eric the, the other day with this having a bit of Watchmen tones. I, I, I equate Batman in this in, in this film to being uh, Rorschach before yeah. Rorschach uh, met the little girls that were eaten up by, by, by the dogs. The, 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 the hero that let people live before. And that, that's 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 where this Batman is at, at this point in time. And uh, him and, and and it didn't fully dawn on me. Like like I I I recognized the Rorschach journaling as it was when it first started. I didn't make a parallel to him and Batman until the very end, where it was the Riddler that brought up that it's it's the masks that what uh, that mm-hmm. allows us to be who we true that that allows us to be who we truly are, which is a concept that is kind of explored in other in, in, in another Batman film, but not to this extent, especially not with, I think the most they've, they've done it with was with the Joker and in, in the dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Well, and so when you look at Watchmen, Alan Moore was a long time DC writer that wrote all the big characters. He became sort of, yeah. he was, he's an anarchistic atheist, which, you know, what a, what a combination. And that's what drove him mm-hmm. to write Watchmen because he didn't believe heroes actually exist and it's interesting that you point to that moment for Rorschach where he finds the little girl that flipped his switch to I am vengeance where in this movie you see Batman encounter a different kind of a sequence to flip 
a different kind of way to fulfill the yeah. mission that usually you see of him, which is trying to be a symbol of hope fighting against the darkness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I, I, I did like that. It, it's, I, I think Eric brought it up. It's, it, it's Batman learning to be something more than, than just fear for, mm -hmm. for, for this film. Yeah. I, I just think it, it when this trailer came out and you hear the duct tape for the first time and everyone saw how edgy it was going to get and a bunch of people are going super hyped for like, I want to finally see the the mainline detective Batman movie where he is a detective. It's yeah. like it's like this movie gave you that. It's like, here, you've had it. Now, now pay attention because Batman is more than that. Probably the most emotional moment for me and one that I think is going to matter to me more over time is when he puts the, uh, one of the children he saves into the, Oh, the, uh, the, uh, gurney, the gurney, the gurney. Yeah. And she grabs his arm and holds on to him because it's not that I know anyone in real life who's had to save anyone from a condition like this while dressed as Batman, but for the most part, like the cosplay, <laughs> It's the well of dressed as Batman. That's yeah. the qualifier. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the cosplay community, you know, there are people who are dressed, dress up as superheroes. And I mean, you see all the time, these like make a wish where uh, actors will make a, a sort of this public move where they dress as their hero and they let kids meet their hero. And so it's like, we're talking about a movie trying to ground this in reality. And that's the closest to I've seen Batman do this in real life that it got. To where it's like touching on he could be like the quote unquote real Batman. Uh -huh. And when he looks up and she's being hoisted up, I remembered how in the trailer, when I saw that shot of super muddy Batman standing in the water, I was looking at that face thinking, oh, well, he's obviously looking up at uh, at a villain like who's gotten away with something. And it's sort of this uh, the Kuleshov effect thing, the, the cut to a different thing and all of a sudden the face means something different. Mm -hmm. where because he's looking up at a child he's saved and he's going to stay in the mud while they get lifted out of it is just mm -hmm. so inherently like a hard definition of Batman to me. It was fascinating. I don't, I don't recall seeing in previous iterations the general acceptance of, you know, you just get Batman at a crime scene wandering among the cops or even in that sequence you're talking about just working with the first responders, putting people... Right. Yep. Him like like meticulously going around looking at everything in, in, in the room, going back to the Batcave then and taking out the context. And then just visually you know what he was doing. And the story didn't have to tell you because it was just the parents. Like that kind of movie making that, that Matt Reeves does. Like it, it's shown here, it's shown in, in his Planet of the Eight films. Yeah, there was there's the reason that I know I have to rewatch this movie a couple of times. Is because of this one thing that I thought was insanely weird and dumb and stuck out to me until I. So Bruce Wayne, after Alfred is injured and stuff, is like, yeah, throws a table to the side and starts spray painting his own floor. I'm like, you have visitors, man. What are you doing? Like, but that, they kind of established he didn't really have visitors as well. He was, he hadn't. This is a younger, grungier. Bruce Wayne that hasn't learned the polish of needing to protect that secret identity. Yeah. It, agreed. It, agreed yeah. for sure. But the, the key thing that made me think back and, and go like, Oh, I'll hold up. And that does give me like Watchmen vibes and things is the other time we saw someone 
using white spray paint in the movie was the very beginning at the break into the bank. Mm-hmm. And it's this sort of reflection of in, at this point in time, he's acting like the criminals. It's just this little visual cue. Like I, I, these things that I think of, like, he got blown up and knocked out and wakes up in a police station and they're still considering whether or not to take off his mask and he didn't go to a hospital. I'm like, why do certain things happen in this movie? Like he's Don't walking, think about it too hard. Right. Yeah. He, he's walking and I hear spurs like on cowboy boots on his feet and it's badass. But I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But uh like as far as things that like don't make sense in the film, like there's not a whole lot. But uh, just when like uh, you brought well, you you brought one up yesterday, which is uh, when when the bomb blows up in Batman's face, he's and he dead. Does, he should be dead, but he doesn't even have an ashen face. Yeah, he's, he's so dead. close to it. <laughs> and it's just you could just put ash right here. That's all you had to do. It's like it's just something. And, and like 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 they 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 did more for for Alfred who was hiding behind a table when the bomb went off. Look, yeah. he's not he's not a superhero. Yeah, Alfred's not a superhero. Batman is. Duh. Like, <laughs> it it's it, 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 it's the problem that I have with the Uncharted movie where it, it just it, it took away a little bit of the bite. The bat suit is bulletproof, but it's not an Iron Man suit. His no. joints should have been completely crippled by that crash out when he like jumps from the police station so he survives the bomb like five minutes after he wakes up he jumps off of like a 30-story building and crashes into the ground oh my god alive he he doesn't just crash into the ground his chute gets caught on a bridge making him swing up and and smack face first onto the under part of, of the bridge, and then he rolls and just gets up and limps away. At least Which he totally... was limping. At <laughs> least he limped, even though he should have been like like a blood spatter on the bottom of the bridge. Well, I mean, he had that super Kevlar too, because apparently he can take a full clip from an automatic weapon into the breastplate and not even get a yep. bruise. Or, I mean, uh, Kevlar here, can here. save your life, but until it, the it very end, where he takes a shotgun to the chest and now he has trouble breathing. It's weird. This one is so taking things realistic that they can finally admit to you that Batman wears makeup under his mask, which they don't even do in the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. But then the Dark Knight trilogy at least will say, ask, is it bulletproof? And it says anything but a straight shot. And, you know, like, careful because this this leaner uh, Dark Knight suit, uh, knives might get in through some of the seams and stuff. So be careful. And then this Batman, this edgier, grittier, grounded Batman is like, dead he's dead like, <laughs> you know have you guys seen um there's a there's a great meme and, and i enjoyed the movie but uh that has dr manhattan speaking of watchmen and it's got three <laughs> panels and it says the year is 1989 i am nine years old i am watching a darker grittier batman the year is 2005 I am 24 years old. I am watching a darker, grittier Batman. <laughs> the year is 2022. I am 40 years old. I am watching a darker, grittier Batman. And that's yeah. all they could do with Batman. <laughs> that make is him darker, all make things. him grittier. That really is all that, that they can do. It's and funny. for all that, I will say one of the things that I do kind of wish is that they would have had the balls to go for an R. With the way this film is is leaning, I'm I'm kind of hoping they they do hush for a future villain. Mm-hmm. Hush. Mm. He's the guy that uh, carves off faces to make masks. 
Yeah, he had a reference. Um, they had mm-hmm. a reference to his character in the movie, and I don't remember the context of it. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing this more than yeah. once. But um, yeah. It so, seems um, like uh, they're going to take the tried and true path of doing the Joker, though. Yeah. I don't think for the direct sequel they will. I think the idea... I think the sequel, honestly, the way that this is built up, I, this is at least what I'm hoping for. I think that this movie was about Batman defining Batman and that a, a second in a trilogy would be about defining Bruce Wayne. Like, he he has to become whatever the facade of Bruce Wayne is going to be. And then I think all of that effort to build up something stable is going to be screwed with in a third movie with the Joker. Mm. So I think no, it's going to be more of a like a Two-Face origin story. Or I don't know. With the whole thing covered in water, all of Gotham covered in water, I'd really like to see a super gritty Mr. Freeze starting to like chill people and they start finding wrapped up bodies yeah. frozen in places and stuff. Like, I don't know. To wrap things up, what would make you guys watch the Batman again? For me, I think I've talked about that a lot. Like what I need to get out of it. What about you guys? Um, I kind of want to. I I want to watch it again to make sure that that I I took Robert Pattinson's performance as Batman the way that I did initially because I'm I I was in agreement with uh, Mad at first uh, where the casting of Robert Pattinson didn't make a whole lot of sense to me when I first heard it, but then I went and I watched Good Times, which kind of made me lean more towards the idea that he might be a good batman so and then i i, I do like uh the new the this uh, new Catwoman. like i i like the arc that she went through with this i like her the way that she carried herself through through the film so Catwoman is a reason why i would go back to watch it matt you know i just think movies that are uh dense like this for me i, I enjoy going back and going through it um more than once to you know, see how it makes me feel, see what I can pick up. Um, you know, when Watchmen first dropped, I saw it four times opening weekend in the theater because there was something about it. I just felt like I needed to study it more. Uh, and this one, almost immediately after, I was thinking, I I need to go back and see it. You know, now that you know where the arc of the story is going, you can appreciate more of the pieces of the journey and what, what, were, what went into building it. Uh, thank you, Matthew, so much for joining us this week. I hope it's not weird that I call you Matthew and Matt intermittently with seemingly no rhyme or reason. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I hope all of you listening enjoyed your time, and thank you all. Uh, we are This Film Not Rated. Again, we're part of the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network. So go ahead and check out some of Matt's other shows we have referenced before, even though we are completely uninformed regarding football but he can basically guide you like an angel through all of that so i'm fairly informed with with college football so um yeah so i'm eric i am at high contrast flm on twitter and from there you can find most of the links to most of my social media outlets curtis uh i am curtis you can find me on twitter at 90s gamber 407 uh you can also find me on twitch uh, at Merrick underscore attainment, where I am still in the process of uh, playing through Elden Ring because the game is a monster of a game in more ways than one. And Matt, where can people find you? What are you, what's up to what give us a rollout? Yep. I am at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter and you can uh, find me on my writer's page at musiccitydrivein.com. All right. So everybody say I'm Batman on three. I'm Batman. You didn't count down. Am I delayed? What's happening? Yeah, you, you have lag. Like, you have.
Uh, I'm Batman. There you go. <laughs>